Hello, you guys, and welcome to a new segment I like to call Black True Crime in Real Time. Here we'll be focusing on crimes, mostly murders, involving Black people as they've occurred in real time, or most recently. This week's episode consists of crimes committed within the last two to three weeks, so let's get started. I apologize in advance for any pronunciation issues I encounter. Case 1. On Tuesday, November 5th, Jennifer Schlecht, a career humanitarian who fought to protect women and girls in war-torn countries, was desperate to file a protection order against her husband, Jonathan Tedla. Unfortunately, on that day, since it was election day, the courts were closed and she was unable to get one. By the next day, Wednesday, November 6, 2019, Jonathan, Jennifer, and their five-year-old daughter, Abanesh, would all be found dead in their apartment in Harlem, New York. At around 9.18 p.m., New York Police Department officers received a call from Jennifer's brother asking that a welfare check be conducted at her apartment on West and 121st Street. She hadn't shown up at the courthouse earlier that day and he was worried something may have happened to her. First, res- first responders found Jennifer's body on the bathroom floor with her head sitting in her lap. Their daughter, Abanesh, was found in another room with her throat slit so deeply that she was almost decapitated as well. Jonathan was then found hanging from a rope tied to his daughter's bedroom door. According to Jennifer's family, Jonathan threatened to kill her if she ever served him with divorce papers. He would either, quote, ruin her or take them all out. Despite the threats, she decided to pursue the divorce and only hours before the murders, was due in family court for a hearing. The couple met when Jennifer was attending Columbia University and Jonathan was working in the university's IT department. According to neighbors, the couple were the picture-perfect, pot-loving, pot-loving, <laughs> potluck-loving couple. They said that Jonathan portrayed himself to be a loving husband and doting father, and that he always had a smile on his face. The couple's nanny of almost four years said that she never witnessed an ounce of strife or animosity among the two. The couple had issues in the past, of course, like other couples, but it got so bad that Jennifer decided to file a temporary restraining order against Jonathan in 2016. Eventually, she stopped pursuing the case, causing it to subsequently be dismissed. Police found the murder weapon, a silver hunting knife, at the scene. Jennifer worked for the United Nations Foundation in their family planning department. It was a group that advocates for women and girls in Africa and Southeast Asia to gain access to reproductive health care. She was also a loving mother who always made time for her daughter and her growing talents. Abanesh already loved to dance at just five years old and took weekly ballet classes, at which her mother was always in attendance. To see pictures associated with this, cl- with this case, please visit our Instagram at Black True Crime Podcast. So I know that was a really brief story, you guys, but it happened very, very recently. Um, it's really unfortunate that someone that was working and advocating for other women was taken from us all so early. Um, 
her co-worker said that she was a great asset to the company and really genuinely loved what she was doing and then also losing a child a banesh five years old she was the cutest thing um it's heartbreaking all around heartbreaking case two This next case will remind you to always be mindful of who you trust and consider a friend. On November 1st, 2019, 21-year-old Alexis Crawford was reported missing. Exactly one week later on November 8th, and with the help of one of the suspects, her body will be found in a park in DeKalb County off of Columbia Drive in Atlanta, Georgia. According to the medical examiner, Alexis's cause of death was asphyxiation or strangulation. Alexis Crawford was a criminal justice student at Clark Atlanta University in Georgia and was one of 10 siblings in a super close-knit family. Her family described her as being bright, affectionate, funny, and just all around super fun. Just four days before she was reported missing, on October 27th, Alexis filed a police report stating that she had been sexually sexually assaulted the day prior. She also stated that she knew her attacker. She went on to say that on the night of October 26th, she was drinking and hanging out with her female roommate and close friend, 21-year-old Jordan Jones, and her boyfriend, Baron Brantley. She then said that Baron started to kiss her and touch her, essentially forcing himself on her. She asked him what he was doing and he said, oh, I thought you were Jordan. So dismissing this, he later followed her to the bathroom with Alexis shutting the door in in his face to try to get away from him. Jordan, her friend, would claim that she went to look for her boyfriend in the bathroom and she had to knock on the door repeatedly before Baron finally opened it with his shirt off. He claimed nothing happened and Jordan then found Alexis on the floor passed out and partially unclothed. Alexis says she doesn't remember Baron being in the bathroom with her before she passed out. Apparently the police were called the same night And they came out to the scene, and although they were called and came out, Baron was gone. He'd fled the scene before they got there in Jordan's car. So the next day, she went to the hospital, she meaning Alexis. She went to the hospital to get a rape kit done, and then she went to the police station to file a report. Over the following days, Alexis would tell friends that the incident had her so shook up and so afraid that she couldn't even sleep in her own room. She said her and Jordan's had stopped talking and that she was only sleeping in the living room on the couch. The last time Alexis's family would hear from her was on October 30th. Her sister texted her asking her where her plans were for the weekend with Alexis replying the word nothing. This was the last text message the 21 year old would send. Alexis was last seen at a liquor store pulling up around 11.30 p.m. on the 30th in a red car. According to witnesses, she was with another female, which Jordan would later admit was her, and the clerk admitted that he didn't notice anything out of the ordinary with the girls. There wasn't anything evident about their demeanor. They weren't angry with each other. It was just normal. 
Jordan would claim that she drove Alexis back to their shared apartment, and that was the last time she saw her. She said that when she woke up in the morning to go to class, Alexis was gone, with her keys still in the apartment, but her cell phone, ID, and debit card were not. After her disappearance, Alexis's family members started frantically searching for her and even reached out to Jordan. Remember, she has a really big family, they're really close-knit, so yeah, there's some people out there looking for her. According to Alexis's family, Jordan and Alexis were super close. They were like two peas in a pod. And since freshman year, they spent so much time together that Jordan even came and spent some time with them. The family says that when they reached out to Jordan, she was responsive to the calls at first, responding and texting back, and even posting on Instagram, asking people to speak out or contact her if they had any information regarding Alexis's disappearance. But then after a little while, as time went on, she eventually asked them to stop contacting her altogether. Just hours after confirming the location of the body, on Friday, November 9th, Baron Brantley was arrested for for the murder of Alexis. The police think he is the one responsible for her death and that Jordan was just an accessory to it. Since they arrested Baron first, I'm assuming he is the one that led investigators to the location of Alexis's body, but it was never revealed to the public. Regarding Baron Brantley, not a whole lot is known about him, but we do know that he is from Savannah, Georgia, originally, and he's an aspiring rapper slash producer, and even has a picture with one of my favorite people ever, 2 Chains. He was also a student at Clark Atlanta. We also know that this isn't his first time in trouble with the law. Brantley's criminal record includes charges for hindering a person from making an emergency phone call, probation violations for previous charges such as theft by taking, battery, family violence, and cruelty to children in the third degree. Brantley has also faced similar charges in September 2018 in addition to a number of traffic charges and of fleeing or attempting to elude a police officer arrest in the months prior. Police would arrest Jordan Jones on November 10th. I found literally nothing about her, which was kind of weird, um, but I'm not particularly upset about it because I find her and her actions extra disgusting. As of November 11th, 2019, Both Jones and Brantley are in custody and being held without bond at the Fulton County Jail. A clear motive has not been established, but police speculate that it mostly stems from the sexual assault attack and either jealousy on Jordan's part or hatred and revenge on Barron and Jordan's part. Either way, these two deplorable human beings took away the life of a beautiful, thriving young lady named Alexis Crawford. The family is completely and utterly devastated, as expected, and is having to go through the heartbreaking task of planning her funeral. They ask that any cards or financial contributions be made directly to Gregory Gregory B. Levitt, and that's L-E-V-E-T-T, and Sons Funeral Home, which is the place handling the arrangements. To see pictures associated with this case, please visit our Instagram at Black True Crime Podcast. 
Okay, so when it comes to this case, my final thoughts, I mean, it's disgusting. This was someone that was considered to be her best friend, one of her best friends. This is someone that she spent a lot of time with. She brought around her family members, her siblings. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine how it feels for the family to have been around their own daughter's killer? It's just heartbreaking. And then for Jordan to stick up for, I guess, take the side of someone as disgusting and violent as her boyfriend, Baron. Like I said, deplorable human beings. I really hope that they get what they deserve. I hope that the outcome of this case sees them being put in jail for a very, very long time. Case three. Our last story involves a very unlikely suspect. On November 5th, 2019, Philadelphia police responded to a call around 3 a.m. from the neighbor of 59-year-old Albert Chernoff. They told operators that Albert's car had been rolled up against the garage and that items inside had been moved around. Upon arriving to and entering the home, police found Albert's lifeless body partially tied up to his bed with a massive head wound and slashes to his chest. It would later be learned that he was killed with a two by four piece of wood with nails still sticking out of it. Albert was an army veteran and worked as a building maintenance supervisor at the Philadelphia International Airport. He also worked at an animal rescue shelter in Philly where he was described as one of the kindest people. He absolutely adored animals cats being one of his favorites, and even kept a bunch of cats at his home as pets. Albert went by the nickname Alley Cat in reference to his one-man cat rescue operation, which was actually featured on a National Geographic television program called Rescue Inc. According to friends of Albert, he was the type of man to go out of his way and do anything for you. He was a good man known for building shelters around the city for feral cats. And at the time of his death, he had 11 cats, three turtles, and two albino frogs living with him. So naturally, the police shut down the scene immediately and start interviewing neighbors, family members, anyone they can try to get a sense. Anyone they can to try to get a sense of who did this. One of the witnesses police interviewed stated that she saw a female leaving Albert's home moments before first responders arrived at the scene. Police also found surveillance video of the female suspect inside of the victim's home. She can be seen rummaging around the home, washing her hands, and even going through the refrigerator and the freezer before she leaves. She can be described as a black female, tall, with a slim build, wearing a pink, long sleeve top, black jacket, loose-fitting red sweatpants, white athletic shoes, and she was carrying a black backpack. Police decided to release some of the surveillance footage, hoping that someone would recognize the suspect. They also offered a $20,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest. After seeing the news coverage and footage on the news, the family of Ajanae Small turned her into police. On November 8, 2019, 14-year-old Ajane Small was arrested for Albert's murder. 
Now, because of social media, I, I am aware that she is a minor, but because of social media and such backlash and outrage on Facebook, I was able to find some information about her and also some pictures of her. Um, what I was able to find about her is that she is a huge Dance Moms fan, <laughs> um, loves Disney Channel stars like Sky Jackson, and even tried to reach out to several TV stars, you know, just like a normal young teenage girl probably would. I found that she has several, maybe four or five different Twitter accounts, and she's also on Instagram. According to one of the teenager's attorneys named Howard Taylor, Ajene is currently in juvenile detention. He went on to say that, quote, it's a very sad situation, troubled girl. There's a reason police aren't saying much. There's a lot more to it. When asked whether she was a victim, he said he, quote, wouldn't put it to that extent, but added that, quote, Chernoff wasn't totally innocent either. Her first preliminary hearing is scheduled for November 27th. To see pictures associated with this case, please check out our Instagram at Black True Crime Podcast. You guys, a 14-year-old girl killed a 59-year-old man in his home. Police think that she tied her to his own his tied him to his own bed. A 14-year-old now, I will say from this footage that I was able to see in the pictures that I will include, like I said, on the Instagram, she is very, very tall, <laughs> okay? Tall is like an understatement. I think she's ex- like six foot, maybe. She looks like... Okay. She looks like she's six foot in those pictures, okay? So yeah, she's a tall girl, but she's 14. It's so hard to think that a 14-year-old girl could do something like this to a 60-year-old man. Also, when I looked at the pictures um, released by the police versus the pictures that are included on her social media, it looks like her, you guys. It's undeniable. So unless she found a way to this man's home, I have no idea how or why before or after, I'm sorry, after this man was killed by someone else. It's looking really, really bad for this 14-year-old. Also, I forgot to mention, the police have not uncovered her connection to Albert. They don't know how they know each other, what the backstory is, but apparently they came up with an hour an hour and a half's worth of footage from his cameras in his house. So... Like the attorney said, there's a lot more to the situation going on. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to I'm going to follow it. And if you guys follow this podcast, I will keep you posted. Thank you guys so much for checking out our first ever real time episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I will be releasing at least two of these a month. And we'll also post updates, updates, I'm sorry, to cases we cover on our real-time segment on Patreon. So once that content is up, running, and available, you guys will be the first to know. So you can go access some more. (laughs) One more important thing I want to mention before we get out of here. Look out for our new listener requested episode 
excited. That will be out on Thursday. So I will see you guys then. I'm Kayla. This has been Black True Crime in real time. And thank you for listening.